Hello and welcome back to the Gritty Women of Jazz podcast. I'm here with my good friend Jack Sir Isaac Smithson. And today we'll be making, or actually we'll be talking and making conversation about two jazz legends known as Melba Liston and Betty Carter. Hi, I'm uh, Jack, and we're here to... I'm glad to have you here on this glorious morning. Yeah, yeah. So um, today, me and Jack will discuss the theme of overcoming discrimination and patriarchy. We decided to discuss this theme because both me and Jack had the opportunity to research two very, 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 very influential women in jazz, the Nobeliston and the Betty Carter. Two great idols of mine, I have to say. I, have to say. I agree. Both Melba, both of them, both born around the Great Depression, which was a terrible time, around the same time as my grandfather, believe it or not. Oh, me too. And, Amen. And they lived through the 30s and 40s. There was so much discrimination against the African-American community, Montgomery, and all that horrible, horrible thing. A lot of discrimination. So, who was Melba Liston, Aiden? <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm glad you asked Jack Smithson. Well, Melba Liston was born January 13th, 1926, in Kansas City, Missouri. She had been playing the trombone since she was seven years old, and her first... Seven? Years? seven yes. The Jeez. single digit, seven. Her first major album was Mischievous Lady, whom she produced it with was Dexter Gordon. It's a pretty good name. And, um, it is. I'm on that. I agree. During the late 50s, Melba was uh, led back into the music industry when she found out that Dizzy Gillespie, uh band, he, he had a band and was touring, touring the, the Middle East and Asia and South America. And I'm from Asia. I, I am too. Melba worked as the band ar- arranger and the commentator. You know, she she was pretty good at her job, but, you know, she was itching to make her own album. So in, in 1958, she put together an all-female quintet and produced her own album called Melba Liston and Her Bones. It's a, a very interesting title. Wouldn't you agree, Jack? I, I really would. It reminds me of some of the best band names yeah. of all time. Like some, the Beatles. The Beatles. Um, Kiss. Um, that's all I... That, yeah. Ace, yeah. Uh, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, an odd feature. Yes, really like. I I do too. Okay, so in back on the topic of Melba Liston and her bones, in 1973, Melba would move to Jamaica and serve as the director of popular music studies at the Jamaican Institute of Music. I think that's a pretty good, you know, job you got there. You're in Jamaica. It's sunny. You don't got to worry about nothing. Yaman. Yaman. So then in 1950, or sorry, 1975, my bad, she produced a small film called Smile Orange. It was based on reggae music. The film was based on the reggae music? It was. It was called Smile Orange and it was based on reggae music. It was, I think that's an interesting name for a movie. It's an interesting name and an interesting concept. I, I, I have to watch it. I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't think I have to, I don't think I would watch that. It's okay. Everyone's do their own opinion. Yes, that's right. She finally returned to the United States in uh, 1979 and put together an all-female jazz band called the Melba Liston 
company. Unfortunately, she did pass away from a stroke on April 23rd, 1999 in Inglewood, California, out of all places. So um, I'm just going to play a 25-second clip of uh, Melba listening to her bones, uh, just the first song of her album, if you don't mind. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. Yeah, as we just heard, that's some that's some pretty good skill she's got there on the trombone. Would you agree, Jack? Oh, very impressive. Now, I think that you could answer this question just by that clip. But what else made her so influential? Well, Melba Liston helped propel African American women into the music and vocals. And I'm pretty sure you know she she influenced and encouraged many girls and and women to get into the musical career. As she paved a huge path for him, I mean, opening many doors. She went through a lot of hardship, and this was huge considering that during this time, women faced a lot of stigma. And uh, the stigma of being housebound, just mothers, not working jobs seriously. So uh, Melbourne proved them wrong and showed that women can do whatever they want to do. So, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, Jack, I'd like to ask you a question. So, so who was Betty Carter? Oh, well, I got a story for you. Betty Carter is one of the most influential scat singers of all time. You know what scat is, Aiden? I, I don't. What is scat? It's uh, when you make the music with your mouth. It's like acapella, but more instrumental. Like so, bada beat, bada bada. so like beatboxing. It's like beatboxing. Boxing. Exactly right. Wow. She was born Lily Mae Jones on May 16th, uh, 1929 in Flint, Michigan. So she didn't have water as a baby. She didn't. Her father did not because of Flint. Her father worked at a, as a church musical director, so she was exposed to music at a very young age, much like Mozart and all the other people that were experienced music at a very young age. All the other people. All of them. As a child, she began taking piano lessons at the Detroit Conservatory of Music, and Betty Carter hooked up on the bebop. It got hooked on the bebop. I am so sorry. Yeah, that was it, inappropriate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a high, in high school. And ended up singing with various celebrities as they went through school. And, and oh, I'm I'm so sorry about that too. I just had a stroke there. Oh. She she got hooked on bebop, and bebop is high town like and dizzy Gisleppi and Sarah Vaughan. After that, she would move around from band to band in New York. Her first album was called Meet Betty Carter and Ray Bryant. However, Betty's most famous album would be Ray Charles and Betty Carter. Betty's, Betty Carter's best seemed to come towards the end of her career after her skills had fully developed. Some of those later albums were dropping things. It's not about the melody, Feed the Fire, and I'm yours. She could solo for 20 minutes and scat at lightning speed. She was extremely good at incorporating motion into her performances. She paved the path for many new jazz musicians today, like Cassandra Wilson. But sadly, she lost a battle to pancreatic cancer on September 26th in 1998 in New York. Wow. That, that, that is, that's a great career. It's a tragedy, too. If only she was still here to help us scab. Yes. So this is a little bit from our first album, Meet Betty Carter and Ray Bryan. It's called Moonlight in Vermont. Telegraph cables, they sing down. 
That was just a little bit of her skill. Wow. Beautiful. She, beautiful voice. That is an absolutely beautiful voice. So I have another question for you. After hearing that, I understand how she could have compiled so many awards and had a great career. But how was Betty Carter influential? Well, she would create jazz programs and help educate people on jazz. She would also offer young musicians the chance to work in her Brooklyn uh, studio before she passed. Betty Carter opened doors for many African Americans and women by sharing her talent with the world. Wow, that now that is that's interesting. So she created jazz programs to help teach and educate people. She did. She did. Interesting. Oh, that, that's that's so nice that she she would work with people, young musicians, to help increase their skills and, and exemplify their talent. Spread the love of jazz music. It's just, it's the love. It's the love that is at the soul of jazz. It is. It's literally at the A. So I have, I have a question for you. Uh, how did Melba deal with uh, discrimination? Well, that's, that's a great question because, you know, Melba being an African-American and a woman at the time, Melba dealt with a lot of discrimination during her career because, you know, she was a woman and she was African-American. And especially during her tour down south with Billie Holiday, she experienced discrimination because she was, of course, a woman in black. And consequently, she ended up taking a break from music in- from the music industry because she did not get she did not end up getting back into music until she uh, had finally found herself. And then when she did get back, she carved out a wonderful career overcoming discrimination and racism. This just goes to show that if you have determination, you can overcome anything. As you know, as Melba Liston did, being one a woman during this time and two an African American, who were heavily discriminated upon, especially during the '40s and '50s. So, Jack, I have another question towards you. I, actually, one that you asked me: How did Betty Carter deal with the discrimination, if she dealt with any? Well, Betty Carter uh, dealt with a lot of discrimination, mostly because, again, she was black and a woman, and the country during her early career was hostile towards that those two groups. Uh, when it came to, they, it's sad. They uh, they weren't taken seriously when it came to that. She worked extremely hard to prove that she was just talented else, and her hard work paid off as she won a Grammy and many other awards to top off her great career. It's, wow. it's crazy. I wish I could do what did. I wish I could get a Grammy too, but I can't sing. So, what hardships did Melba Listen face as a woman? Well, Melba Liston faced many hardships as a woman. For example, you know, she was not taken seriously by other musicians because she was a woman. Because during this time, women were not expected to do things like she was. They weren't expected to, to go after such prestigious careers and and think for themselves they were more seen as just staying at home being domestic people not having to leave the house and and solely taking care of kids (coughs) and so it's very interesting how she was able to fight through that stigma and fight through the prejudice and, and fight through the discrimination and end up becoming a legendary jazz figure who 
we still consider a classic and is, is studied all over the world in classic jazz. Wow. It, it's pretty interesting. So what kind of hardships did Betty Carter face as a woman? Well, she was not taken as seriously whenever she would go out to the shows. People would always want to go see the male singer. So she had to work even harder than everyone else just to prove that she had the talent. And then from having that talent, she had to go out and blow everyone's minds and go out and show that she could be the one to earn the rewards and earn the earn the uh, earn the Grammy and earn all of the prestigious nominations that she got. The Grammy. That's the bust down of all rewards. Truly is. That that's truly inspirational. So, you know, basically in conclusion as we wrap up our podcast, I'd like to uh, basically summarize what we've been talking about. So Betty Carter and Melba Liston they both overcame discrimination, racism, and patriarchy, all while creating legendary careers. Both Mobiliston and Betty Carter would win awards and influence young people to be strong and go after what you like. You should not let someone else's opinion stop you from going after what you want to do. In order to overcome adversity, you must be strong and understand that life is a bumpy road, so you must hold on and learn from your failures. Betty Carter and Mobiliston continue to influence young musicians today who are interested in classical jazz. And, you know, I for myself am very influenced by them as I now understand what it was like to be an African-American woman during this time period trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. This, just talking about this makes me want to go pick up a trumpet and trim bone and just go have fun and make mm-hmm. jazz. I just want to scat, you know. I do, I do too. Bada be boo ba. Yes. Uh, I told you, though. Melville Liston and Betty Carter helped propel African American women into the music industry during the era of jazz. Ta- thanks to them, we can totally enjoy many artists who were influenced by them. We're extremely thankful for the dedication and sacrifices they gave us. They helped revolutionize jazz. You know what, Jack? I, I could not agree more. Uh, this has been a wonderful talk. It really has. Uh, so that's all the time we have today for the Gritty Women of Jazz podcast. Join us next Sunday at 12.20 a.m. for our next episode, Is Mayonnaise an Instrument? We'll have special guests Patrick Starr and Dwayne the Pebble Johnson on as well. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm uh, Jax or Isaac Smithson, signing out. <laughs>